Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. Today's episode is with founder and CEO of Superfast Business and Silver Circle, James Shremko. Um, if you don't know James, he's a seasoned podcaster and seasoned entrepreneur. He's helped thousands of people grow to high six, seven, and eight-figure businesses. And he is really a smart podcaster when it comes to how he approaches the platform. And I want you to take note and learn from him because he has a very straight-to-the-point, no-fluff way of producing amazing content on his podcast. He's been doing it for a while. Um, so it's really cool to have him on. And he also shares a really, really deep um and really crazy story at the end here if you want to stick around. It's more of a personal one. It's not so much podcast related, but it is very, very interesting and a bit of a crazy story. So I won't spoil that for you. So enjoy my episode with James Shremko. In a world where ad costs are continually rising and prospects are getting more and more skeptical about who they can trust, how can you reach new people in a way that's authentic and effective? A place where you can build trust at scale and convert skeptical prospects into raving fans and clients. Hey, my name is Luis Diaz, and you're listening to the Podcast Podcast Domination Domination Show, the place for entrepreneurs and businesses that want to know how to build a podcast that helps them grow their business, get more clients, and build their brand. I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. Awesome. Cool. So it's, uh, I know the time differences made this a little bit hard to, to get recorded or we went back and forth a little bit, but James, man, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I'm excited to have you cause you've, you've been a guy who I've known about probably for past three to four years, um, through just following other people in the States, but you've always become, you've always come highly recommended. Um, I just never, I think never reached, reached out cause I was like, he's probably busy. He's got I don't know, 800 episodes of his own to, to, to manage and look after. And he's still going. So I figured he's probably too busy for me. So thank you for making the time, dude. Um, for those who don't know about your podcast, super fast business, um, and what you do, um, uh, for those who are listening, he's in the James is in Australia. So, um, you're going to, you're in for a way better voice than mine today. Um, for those who don't know much about you, man, um, can you give us a rundown of like, uh, 30 seconds because I want to, I don't want to waste too much time and get into the meat here of like what you do, who you are. And they've already heard the intro, so they probably have a good idea. 
Yeah, I definitely would argue you on the the better voice thing. I, I wouldn't say that's been my strength with the podcast. Um, so, look, I used to run Mercedes-Benz dealerships as a general manager, and then I tinkered with figuring out how to build websites back in about 2006. I struggled at first, which is a common scenario, and uh, then I found that other people were also struggling, and I started creating information guides showing people what I did to get out of that trouble, and that took off. And I became an affiliate of the website software. And then as I got deeper into my clients who were building websites, I discovered that a lot of them were missing some of the business fundamentals that I'd picked up as a general manager, like building teams, being able to sell, um, organizing projects, keeping visibility on the numbers, growing the business from a, a marketing perspective and managing all, all of the, the various pieces of the puzzle. And I ended up coaching these business owners. And so now I'm a business coach and I take a stake in other people's businesses and help grow them uh, for uh, a little percentage of revenues, my new favorite business model for the last three or four years. And the podcast, Super Fast Business, is a great way for me to build an audience and to introduce people to my partners and to grow their businesses through that channel. Got it. Love it. Um, so the the podcast, I've, I've, I was listening to a little bit of your most recent episode and you're, you're toying around with some, some new things. You mentioned you're focusing on it more nowadays and it's, it's really working. Um, you're 800 episodes in, so you're by no means a rookie here. You are one of the guys who's been doing this for quite a few years, uh, I guess in internet marketing terms, you know, so <laughs> it's like a uh, lifetime, <laughs> 2009. Yeah, yeah. To, to exactly. 2021 is a, a long time online to do any one thing. Right, right. So um, I'd love to get an idea of, of diving into like what's working now for you on the podcast. And and a lot of our listeners, as you know, we mentioned before, like they're coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs who are, they love podcasting, but at the end of the day, it is a business vehicle that they want to, you know, use to further their goals and further their success. Um, so I'd love to know. Well, that's that's how I started doing it. I did it to make sales. And I didn't do it as a creative pursuit or because I like the sound of my own voice. So I think uh, not getting too far from the purpose of the podcast, like why are you doing a podcast? And so many people get this wrong. They, they just emulate what they've seen other people do. They just want to do an interview style format, which is just massively commoditized. If, if anyone's doing interview podcasts, then that person they're interviewing has probably already done 100 podcasts with the exact same topic. Like when a movie star comes into town to promote their latest big cinema release, you can listen to any radio station and get the exact same interview. Uh, so having a very clear intent, why you're doing this podcast, and then figuring out how you're going to differentiate from the vast sea of podcasts. Like one of the greatest things I did was just get into it early and early enough. And thanks to Tim Reed, who put me into it uh, by approaching me after I was a guest on his podcast to do a podcast together. That's where I learned the ropes of podcasting. And it, it's so if you can't get in early, which obviously you can't if you're just starting out now, you need to get in different and you need to be very clear on, on what is your premise and how's the show going to produce a, a return on investment for you. And you have to take it seriously. It's not something that you just lightly do. You have to commit to a podcast. Got it. For, for you, are there any 
like if you're looking at your show right now, what do you think is working for you? Um, maybe compared to things that something that new that you're doing now or something different that you didn't do when you first started. Um, is there anything that comes to mind? Where we're focusing now is on better sales copy. So better hooks, better tweetables, better uh, subject lines, um, guest selection. I'm making sure that I'm weaving a tapestry that is perfect for my audience. I want it to be so relevant to my audience, they feel like I'm reading their mind. And that's that's my metric. Um, the one thing I want to make sure I get in every single episode is my guest has to say, that's a great question. If I don't trigger that, then I haven't been doing my role as the delegate on behalf of my audience. So I'm very audience-focused. I'm so audience-focused. I feel like I'm the journalist reporter out there getting the scoop, getting the news story for my customer, or even if it's a solo episode, I've got to hit them between the eyes with what they really need to hear today. Yeah. I'm not a shock jock. Uh, I'm not a trained journalist. I'm um, I'm a business person and I'm pragmatic and I'm direct and I've found my own style. So what I'm doing is leaning into it more and being bolder. I'm just using broader brush strokes now. I want to I want to I want more texture and I want to get more personal on these podcasts because that's going to cut through the noise. And there's so much competition compared to when I started. I used to be in the top 10 in Australian business podcasts uh, and in other markets, you know, for years. Now, you know, when we crack a top 50, it's kind of like, wow, high fives, virtual high fives. Right, right, yeah. Um, that's a great point you bring up around just like the, the whole premise of or your thoughts behind it of like, hey, the audience comes first and I'm going to do everything I can to make it seem like I'm in their head, make it seem like I am actually reading their mind when it comes to their problems, their solutions. So what goes into that for you as a host? Um, you know, there's always people that have different styles and how they research and get ready for shows, but what have you found helpful? Or, you know, I'd love to know kind of like the process you're finding that's working to help you kind of develop better content for people. Cause ultimately I believe that's the thing that's going to keep people around besides like your personality and if they like you or not. Just the fundamentals. Um, a, I, I really know my audience. I coach my audience every day. I have around 400 people in super fast business and it's quite a number of them are on a, a level where they have private coaching threads. So I'm literally logging into my audience and discussing things with them on a daily basis. And then I've got a dozen partnerships where I'm in their business and we're very close. So I feel when, you know, when they do campaigns, when they speak to their customers, when they get support inquiries, uh, when, when they're coming up with topics for their marketing, I'm right there. So I'm just, I'm in the trenches. I've got my finger on the pulse. And then the second part of the fundamentals, part B, is to have a look at the data. What does, what do the metrics tell you? So I go into the podcasting analytics and I have a look, which episodes do my audience like? Uh, how long do they listen for? What, who's sending questions? When do I get a big social share or reaction off an episode? What's, what's the, what does the market say? So it doesn't matter what my opinion is. And then at the end of every year, we do a, um, an annual year review of all the podcasts we did in the whole year. And it'll be typically be close to 100 podcasts for that year. What were the top 10? 
And then I really want to know why, why were they the top 10? What, what is it about yeah. that episode that's so much better than the others? Because I'm really a fan of the 80-20 principle. And I do believe um, in, in the, the fundamental that almost every, every business owner could do in their business and in life, do more of what's working and discard what's not working. No, no point pushing along with something that doesn't work. And a lot of people are invested in their podcasts, uh, have this sunk cost fallacy happening where they're in love with their podcast yeah. idea and they're in love with producing the thing and they love their graphics and their logo, and but no one's listening to it and certainly not buying. I know a guy who spends $100,000 a year on a podcast and no sales come from that podcast. It is a total vanity exercise. That is nuts. That is that's nuts right there. So taking that, I want to stick with this 80-20 principle for a little bit here. If you had to 80-20 your podcast today, um, what would you what would be the things you'd keep in it? Like when it comes to like your process. It's it's what I do now. I've I I'm the master of leverage. I don't mean that in an arrogant way, by the way. <laughs> like I've published a book on this topic, work less, make more. So this is my obsession is how much can I get out of a little input? When you, at the beginning of this show, you said, oh, I must be very busy and you don't want to interrupt me. It's, it's like that's the actual polar opposite of reality. I do two podcasts a week and it takes me around about 50 minutes to uh, 80 minutes a week. That's my total involvement with my podcast. So I've found the leverage in it. Um, so it's just the fundamentals. I want to be on topic for my audience. I want to produce the best possible uh, discussion or episode I can. If it's a solo, that is going to be what they need to hear today. And then I'm going to have the best chance of them receiving that via our email and social outreach uh, or, or right. broadcast or syndication. And, and I'll need to make sure that our words that we use are going to compel someone to listen to that. So we want high open rates. I want my subscribers to ping that episode and listen to it. I want them to react to it, like do something, you know, improve their business, uh, be a better person or get in touch with me if they've got questions. These are the things I want them to do. I'm not chasing reviews. I'm not chasing uh, top positions. Uh, I'm, I'm chasing a result for my customer. And you said it at the beginning of the show, and this is, this is the cornerstone of my entire business. I want a good reputation. If someone mentions my name, I want them to think good things. That's what branding is. It's how do people think about you when you're not there and how do they feel about you yeah. when you're not there? And, and that's been my intention is I just want to do good work and I want people to get results. And I, and I really come from a place of trying to serve them with my podcast and make sure that that is doing, which is why I don't run ads on my podcasts. So that's why I'm saying I've already 80 20 it. I'm not selling ad space on my podcasts. I don't have a lot of tricky editing happening. Don't do uh, convoluted intros and backstories and stuff. I'm just straight into it. It's a very uh, direct, clean recording. I do research. So if I'm interviewing a book author, I'll read their book. I will literally read their book from cover to cover and I'll ask the questions no one else asks. That's my duty. And if it's someone I know or I've got... I do another thing that's that's different to a lot of podcasts. I have the same guest back over and over and over and over again, like six, eight, 10, 15 times yeah. because I figured out rather than start new podcasts, because at one stage I had four or five podcasts, 
uh, and now I'm down to one, it's better to have those mini podcasts within my main podcast. And that's worked fantastically well. So I've got mini series on everything from getting customers to converting customers to building yeah. memberships uh, and so forth. So these uh, doing your SEO, get the same guest back over and over and over again. So now I'm developing that story and we're linking them all together. And what I have discovered is that if you have two episodes with the same person, you'll get three episodes worth of listens because people will find either one and then go and listen to the other. So it leverages on leverage. I like that. That's so something you said there's really interesting. You mentioned before you have multiple, you had multiple podcasts, four to five podcasts. Yes. Now you've kind of brought them under all one roof yes. and made it like, and I just heard this on one of your recent, your most recent podcast where you're saying like, this is a mini series. Yes. So you're saying those podcasts essentially have turned into mini series. Like for example, I don't, I don't know if this is how it runs, but every Monday is a show about, let's say, say customer experience. And then Tuesday is sales and Thursday is marketing. Is that how you've been running it in terms of like these mini series? Or no, different? Um, because it it already I was already bored halfway through you saying that. That's like people just hate. <laughs> there's a famous podcast yeah. out there with had a lot of in, in every single episode. It's the exact same questions. Like yes. just punch me in the face. I'd prefer that yeah. over having to then. So they get massive downloads and then people fade right off it because we hate routine and we hate monotony and we hate boredom. Like worst thing you can do. That's offensive to bore people like that. So I mix it up. Like if you just do the same workout routine, your body will get to you know the, a certain point and not, not you need to challenge it and stretch it and grow it. And that's what my audience needs. They want a bit of variety. So we typically do two episodes a week. And I say typically, and they're mostly on roughly the same day, but they're not at the same time. You could not set a watch by it by any stretch. And it might be me. It might be a guest. It might be the same guests a few times in a row. It might be a gap between when they come back. It works around what my audience needs right now, and it just flows organically. But I do have a routine around making sure that we have those episodes. If we get below five episodes, my team will nag me to produce something so they've got some runway. And, and that's our yeah. system, and the system works great. And sometimes I'm just in a hot patch where I'm just like, I'm finding people I want to talk to or I get an introduction to someone who I want to talk to or I have a topic that my audience really, really need and I'll go and find, I'll hunt down the person who can solve that problem and give them a free coaching session, you know, in the form of a podcast for my audience. So it is organic, but it's fairly real time. It's kind of just in time recording. I don't do a year's worth in advance. Yeah. Um, sometimes I run it down pretty low and other times I've fattened it up with, you know, six or eight episodes worth. And sometimes I go and block things for myself in there uh, where I feel like it's going to be needed at that time. Mm, got it. Got it. I see. I, I like, so one of the things you said here is like, you've got your team will nag you and you've trained your team, obviously probably to, to do that when you're below five, which is amazing. Cause I know some people, some podcasters will have this, you know, feast or famine mentality where it's like, they've got no episodes or they've got way too many. Well, if you have a service agency, your constant issue is going to be getting stuff from your customers. Am I, yes. am I right? Yep. <laughs> so, so. We try to There'll be some that are great and some that you just, pe you know, perennially pestering. And I, I know this because I've run service agencies. I've built and sold a couple. And, uh, you know, when I had an SEO service, 
some people would pay us to SEO their site, but they wouldn't even tell us what site they wanted to optimize, <laughs> let alone what key phrases or what their goals were. So that yeah, I know firsthand when we had a website development service, we had plenty of jobs that people bought and then wouldn't give us the things we need to do the job. So it's a frustration ever done for you, agency. Yep. Yep. You know it. Yeah, you know it better than anyone then. Um, definitely. Yeah. We we definitely try to nip that in the bud on the on the onboarding calls and, and helping training customers for that. But um, I want to know from you, you've, you started this uh, quite a few years ago, 2009, if I believe you said in the past, um, what would you do differently now? If you're looking back and you have all the knowledge you have now as a podcaster um, and you're launching a new show um, for sake of conversation, is there anything you do differently to build the show and to build the audience, how you, how you have it today, if possible, because obviously, you know, it's a different game now. Well, look, a lot of the innovations I've had have come from one of my partners who's in this same sort of space as you, and um, he's been he's been sort of bringing me up to speed because he aggregates lots of podcasts. He's got um, he's looking at all the analytics, he's driving the traffic, he's producing the shows as well, and and what he's sort of informed me has has been where I got to best standards. So some of those changes that Charlie Vaila has told me were. Get video on, turn on the camera. Mine was audio for many, many years. So if I was starting today, straight out of the gates with video because you get so many opportunities to sort of slice and dice it into snippets and promotional pieces and even run ads too. Um, Two is I would um, make sure you work on your narrative. I didn't even know about storytelling narrative when I started my podcast, but now I know the audience would like to have a story arc. It will make it a more enjoyable experience for them. They want that. They want the hero's journey or something to that effect. I would um, focus more on the copy. Make sure the headlines really punchy and the bullets from the podcast are written in a way that would compel someone to re- listen to that podcast. Now, I've always done a timeline. I was, I believe, I was one of the first people to do this. I've done timelines on my webinars, for example, since two thousand and six. And I put them on my podcast, and since then, everyone does it, but I was one of the first to do it. I don't know of anyone who's done it earlier than I have, but where you put the timeline of what's in the show to be as a courtesy. But those bullets, those bullets can be very enticing. Someone will want to understand what's the three things that every such and such should know before they go into blah, blah, blah. Those sort of bullets. Ah, I see Okay, um, okay, I was getting confused with the terminology. Got it. Time curiosity time. bullets. That's what the copywriting term is. So, you know, at uh, you know, at 15 minutes, Lewis dispels a common myth held about uh, producing podcasts that if you don't know, you'll be wasting enormous amount of money on. Um, so, oh, what is that? I'm going to go and listen. So curiosity hooks, those sort of things. Gotcha. Got it. So, and I would go straight to good equipment. Uh, I, would, I would get a decent microphone and, and digital sound processor early and a good camera and lighting. You'll have to excuse me today because I'm in a different place to where I record my podcast. Um, no worries. I'm, I'm literally I'm running my backup mic, which is still a better mic than what some professional podcasters are going to use for their podcasts. Mm-hmm. So um, good equipment, uh, good copy, video and then I would really focus on that narrative and make sure that what you're actually doing is worth the time and energy that it's going to take to do it. And um, that means professional editing, getting good quality sound 
and making it a good experience for your audience. You can't thrash them with really crap sound quality or a janky edit. Um, you may, I heard this on your, on your podcast, so I wanted, to, I wanted to bring it up here. You've got sound effects now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about those and how you got those. Cause some people I'm sure you may, we just, you just touched on sound quality and, and, and bringing a professional sound to the show. I'd love to see if like, what's your experience with sound effects and things like that, or if, if it's worth it, or I just, it sounds like you were having fun with it. So I wanted to bring it up. I was definitely having fun with it. And that's my style is to, yeah. um, I don't know, because I think, I feel like I have a high level of empathy and my audience like hearing my stories, which was really uncomfortable for me when when I started sharing stuff. I'm like, do they really give a crap about it? Like the old me was a robot. I would just like, here are the 10 things you need, boom, 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 boom. Right. I never wrapped it in a, in a story or shared the, the lower emotions, you know, underneath the surface. But now um, Charlie Vallis said, get get." I'm listening to him and I'm like, how do you sound so good? And he's like, I'm using this sound deck. And I'm like, what is it? He sent me the models and I bought it. So it was a Rode Procaster. It's yeah. it's somewhere in a box here um, heading off to the new studio. Um, so I got the new mic, the new deck, and it comes with a digital sound process and it, it makes it turns me into a radio DJ from, from rubbish <laughs> to amazing. That's how good it is. It's like auto-tune for podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> but it does have these colored buttons, which my daughter goes mental for, just loves pushing the buttons. And they have sound effects like a harp or an applause or a trombone right. or a, a rim shot. And just when it's appropriate in my podcast, if someone does something or, or something needs that sound effect, mm. I'll just push push it. And I'm just laughing at it in real time. It's just how, how funny this is to be an, a radio DJ. Like we... We're these hack amateurs in board shorts and bare feet <laughs> yeah. who now, you know, in 2021, for about $5,000, you can set up with the same equipment that a, a radio station would have spent a million dollars on you know, 20 years ago or 10 years ago. So now I've got in my studio, uh, I've got a, a Sony camera with a Sigma 1.4 lens I've got a Kodak ring light. I've got Philips Huey adjustable colored lights. I've got the Rode Procaster with an XLR cable into this digital sound processing deck. Mm -hmm. I'm running on a brand new iMac with an M chip, and it is so good. The sound and vision quality is next dimension uh, from yeah. where I was at. And where I was at was this microphone and a Logitech camera. And even the camera in this iMac that I'm using is, a, is better than the Logitech. So the technology is going. But, the, you know, the first question everyone asks with podcasts is, what microphone do I use? They're usually on the wrong stuff. Focus on solving a customer's problems. Make sure you've got a good story. Get the best sound quality you can afford to start with and then upgrade as you go. And for context, yes, I've done 860 episodes and I've been doing it for more than a decade, I can invest a few thousand bucks on some nice equipment. But for five grand, you can have the best. I even This entire room was covered in sound tiles until I took them down last week because I'm moving studio, right? It's, it's easy to set up a home studio now, and a lot of people should be doing that. And then you need to have your um, podcast produced properly. That was the big step. I used to do it all myself. Every step, I used to uh, wow. record the show 
edit the show, uh, upload it, uh, put it on my website, write the show notes, put a picture, email my customers that it's out. I did that. I did all of that for like seven years. It was ridiculous. And then I, then I trained someone uh, else to do it. Maybe it was five years. Train someone else to do it. I've never looked back. Don't do it. And, or get a service yeah. to do it. These days with the services around, I wouldn't even bother building a team to do it. But my team are amazing. They've been with me for 10 years and they edit and produce and publish and syndicate. And they only do it for me. They don't offer this as a service, by the way. So don't bother asking me to do it for anyone else. Um, but I'm paying the wages on those people and they're doing other things in my business. So it works for me because of the business that we have is predominantly a publishing business these days, the way that we set it up. But it's worth not, do not edit your own podcast. That's the first advice I give. Don't waste three hours of your life listening to yourself over again. It's the worst. Yeah. And I, yeah, I did it for a few years and it definitely wasn't fun until I figured out I need to build a team for this. Not fun. Um, you mentioned something really, really interesting there. Uh, and I'm curious for you, what's been the most vulnerable or uncomfortable story you've had to tell on your podcast? In the oh, I've, I've told plenty, plenty of them. I, like I get braver and braver as I go on. Um, gosh, I've, I've, with certain guests, when it's appropriate and we're talking about the topic, I've shared something personal that has um, that's a new reveal that my audience really resonate with because they're humans too, and and it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're someone famous and known, whether you're a Gary Vee or a Grant Cardone or a Tony Robbins or a whatever. Every single person these these. In these curated Instagrams or whatever from the, the all the beautiful people and so forth, every single person has uh, something going on in the background that's hard or difficult for them because we're human, whether it's just what's going on in society right now, whether it's personal stuff. So occasionally I'll share stories that highlight some of these aspects of my own life. And, you know, I've had my fair share of challenges. Some things I don't talk about. Uh, but I feel like I might one day, I feel like I'll get to the point where I'm ready to talk about them and my audience will love me for that, but I don't do it for their love. I, I'll just do it to help someone who needs help that day to know that we all have challenges and setbacks. And, you know, there's only a few things left that I haven't shared. I think there's about three topics that I've never talked about and may never um, but possibly they'll come out down the down the track. How's that for a curiosity hook? Um, but there's there's certainly been yeah. things I've talked about, where, you know, and and I've had funny things happen to me and and dramatic incidents happen. Those things I I, I get a bit of therapy from from sharing. Um, one of the ones that stands out for me was when I was in California, and I was at a conference. I was speaking at John Benson's conference. He's, he does this high-level mastermind. I was there with mm -hmm. meeting friends like Bond Halbert and John Carlton. And after the conference, I checked into a hotel and I just um, went surfing. And then on the last day I checked out, I went for my surf. And while I was surfing, someone broke into my car and took everything. They oh, took yeah. uh, my bag. They took my laptop they took my wallet they took my watch um they took my pants like my clothes everything all i had when i came back from the car to the car was i had an empty car 
I had my surfboard and I had my wetsuit. And in the car, I scrounged around. I could I found a cap, one Turkish towel. It's not like not, not a proper towel, but a Turkish towel, and uh, flip-flops, sunglasses, and very luckily, I had hidden in my um, in my hoodie. Um, underneath the seat, my passport. That was, was it. That. <laughs> Had my passport. I was going to ask that. Yeah, and I and I was already dehydrated. I've been surfing for three hours, so now I'm stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, um, in a foreign country, with no money, no laptop, no phone, nothing. I had to borrow someone's phone, call the the hire car place. Three hours later, they sent out a tow truck who refused to pick the car up. Because he said, if I get it on the truck, I can't get it off the truck without the key. And um, and then, so I think it was about seven or eight hours later, I ended up at Hertz Rental in Los Angeles there with no pants. So I'm in. Still I'm just pants. in. Yeah. It's no pants. I'm yeah. just in wet underpants or wet wet swimmers underneath my wet. So I took my wetsuit off, obviously. Um, so I had a hoodie and I wrapped my Turkish towel around my underpants like a dress. So I'm in a freaking dress with flip-flops at LAX airport with no money, no phone, uh, all my credit cards and everything stolen. And I tried to log on to my, I tried to log on to Facebook from the tablet in the store and it, and it locked me out. So now my password's in there and I couldn't, it wouldn't work because it'd been sort of so abused. The button's stuck. Finally managed to get a hold of Kevin Halbert and convince him I'm not a scammer, <laughs> you know, because that's the typical scam. I'm I'm stuck. Yeah. I'm, you know, I need help. $50,000 now or something. And an hour or so later, he came and picked me up and he said, I looked like crap. I was like, no one, no one at Hertz would even uh, give me a pair of shorts or pants. No one. They just care, care factor zero. I was, I was wow. really disappointed in the human race. The tow truck driver, he wouldn't even pull over and buy me a pair of $5 pants from a supermarket. I, and I can tell you it's quite um, it's quite intimidating not having pants in society. I, I'm, I'm not used to that. No. Um, the funniest thing, I was crossing a pedestrian crossing and there was this guy coming the other way and he was like an islander uh, of some description and he had a, a wraparound Sulu thing, like a, like a, a skirt thing, and he looked at me, my skirt, with flip-flops, and he gave me an appreciative sort of nod of acknowledgement yeah. like I'm a fellow tribe member. That was the only oh, human man. nice thing. But anyway, it ended up I went, went to, we went to Target, and I've never been so happy to be to Target in my life, and we purchased a pair of pants, and I put them on in the store in a T-shirt and uh, some shoes, and uh, and then we went back home. And by the time I got to uh, to the Halbert household, they'd already racked up about $45,000 on my, my credit cards. And um, it took me about six months to get that money back from American Express and from Westpac, uh, who were being very difficult uh, about it. It was it was just such a massive hard hit. This was wow. four years ago uh, on Halloween. Days. When's Halloween? That must be coming up soon, right? Yeah, October 31st, yeah. Right, so that was four years ago. Wow. And, you know, it was in that moment I was absolutely, you know, I was absolutely confronted with going from having everything and every possible security. I mean, I'm I'm time 
rich, I'm money rich, I'm family rich, but I had everything stripped away from me. Uh, and it was a battle. It was a, it was a battle of mindset and endurance. And I think I did well with it, but I learned a lot about myself. It's like literally being thrown in the jungle. And, and uh, so I shared that story and people really resonated with that story. And I've got lots of stories like that, that I share obviously over so many episodes. Like right. I'm sharing a lot of stories about my old, old, old days. In fact, one of my old jobs was a debt collector. So I've plenty of stories that I've, you know, not shared many of them. And when I do share them, they're really powerful because they've shaped me as, you know, who I am. Right. Right. And those kind of stories, people don't forget. There's no other podcaster I can guarantee you with a story like that. Um, Yeah. I don't think anyone's had that exact same story. (laughs) No, exactly. So it's hard to copy. So it's like the people, you share that with your story, with your podcast, and that's going to move the needle and get people to come back. Um, uh, I have to ask this, James. So first of all, thank you for sharing that story. Um, That's all right. Man, that's a, that's a crazy one. Um, what is, is there anything you would, or what's, what are you excited for? I would say, this is one question I forgot. I looked over it before, but what are you excited for in terms of podcasting, in terms of business? I know my friends, Matt and Joe fear from hustle, um, hustle and Flowchart absolutely love you. And they speak very highly of you as a business mind. So in the entrepreneurship space or podcasting space, what excites you? What is, what is, what's got you most excited right now? I have to say. I like my revenue share model that when I'm partnering with businesses and, and helping them grow on a performance basis. I like that because it challenges me and because I can get them results. And um, so I'm not afraid to take the risk. If they don't get a result, I don't get paid. And if they do get a result, I share in that. And they love sending me invoice. They love paying my invoices because whatever I'm getting, they're getting like yeah. <laughs> typically nine times more than that. Uh, so it's a great deal. It's It takes things to the next level after a client relationship. This is a partnership relationship. We're building something beautiful together. I've got about a dozen of those. That excites me a lot. I love seeing them succeed. I, I um, recently sent one of them a surfboard for his birthday. You know, like we're just going <laughs> next level um, deep. And, and that's me. I'm a, I like long-term relationships. I can do long-term relationships and, like having these guests back over and over and over and over again on my podcast, my audience like that, the consistency and the, and the, the depth of the story that's been developed and the, right. and rather than just these surface level interactions that most people are, are dishing out on a regular basis, you know, mm-hmm. shallow this, shallow that, shallow this, shallow that. I like to go deep. So I'm excited about where those things are going to mature to. And, and as one of my mentors used to talk to me about, um, making Grange. Grange here is a is Grange here is a famous red wine. It was developed in secret. The the guy um, Max Schubert was making it, and the winemaker Penfold said, "Stop making that. It's no good." But he kept doing it anyway. And years later, entered it into a contest, and it won. And it now is it's the most famous wine in Australia. It's it's very valuable. It's worth about seven. Hundred to nine hundred dollars per bottle, and my mentor was saying, "Listen, we're making Grange here, which is like we're building a vineyard, we're growing the grapes, we're keeping the, the birds off the grapes, we're keeping the grapes healthy. We're going to pick them, put them in a vat, ferment them, put them in a cask. We'll wait and let them mature, and then we're going to bottle it, and then eventually 
It'll be contest winning. It'll be award winning. But it's a long process. It's a metaphor for the long haul and not being impatient and investing in, in that longer vision of where things are going, much like Jeff Bezos does with Amazon. He's always been obsessed right. with customers and thinking about uh, what they're going to want in the future. That would be the same for my approach. So I'm excited about that and I'm making Grange. So I think we're going to have some award-winning results from my partnerships because they're already going spectacularly well and showing great signs. Well, I think the title of this podcast is going to be Making Grange with James James Franco. <laughs> Let me tell you that. But anyone um, in Australia will know what that means and anyone outside yeah. will be like, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my, my Australian downloads are going to go through the roof. Now. I think you've got one called no. Screaming Eagle. Screaming, oh, a, a wine. Yes, but I wouldn't recommend yes. you use that as the podcast title because I think it has other meanings. <laughs> don't Google it. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, I've noticed that wine, but I don't know the double meaning behind it. So don't, don't, don't do not, do, do not Google it. Promise me you won't Google it, Lewis, because yeah, it's, I don't want to be associated with that. You got it. <laughs> James, um, besides Superfast Business Podcast, where can people connect with you about your ventures? Um, It'll be on the show notes as people already know, but I want them to hear from you in case I have anything wrong. If you look, if you want to go on the personal side, I've got an Instagram account where I post pictures of surfing and, uh, and you know, what I'm actually doing in life. Uh, when I'm on the, in the other hours of the week, other than the 20 or so hours I spend working, um, I do my Instagram. And of course, I would recommend Work Less, Make More, which is my book. It's uh, on Amazon or Audible. We can get it for free at my own website, superfastresults.com forward slash book. Uh, great place to start. You'll get exposed to some stories and um, it's a pretty tight read too and, and there's some good lessons in leverage there. But I think a podcast is a perfect um, conversion tool for most businesses. Love it. Love it. James, thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing those stories those are some really interesting stories. I think I'm gonna have to send people who listen like to the to the last part before they go to the rest of the podcast. So, thank you, man. Thanks, Lewis.